here we go. Bombs away. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. My name is Brock Dittis. And I'm Aaron Flores, uh, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent and unprepared conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering day-to-day life, food, alcohol, bicycles, and alternative transportation, arts and culture, communication, and the internet. And And today, trees. Trees. And making trees pretty. (laughs) Uh, We're here with Adam Lehrer. Hello, and thank you for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. It's really exciting to be here. And uh, I'm excited. We actually heard about your business some time ago, but then I had the uh, I had the chance to see your rig and meet you at the disaster relief trials. Uh, was it two weeks back now? That's right. Yeah, okay, I think it was two weeks. Yeah, the summer's been flying by. But. Seriously, yeah, that was a great day though because it was the the OMSI parking lot was full of sustainable transport, half of which was developed uh, or devoted to bicycles. The other half, which was devoted to electric cars, which was a source of consternation to some. <laughs> so, Did you notice in that section, it was just like a ghost town? It kind of was. I think the bicycles were more exciting than anything oh, else. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. So, so anyways, uh, that was where we first met in the flesh, and uh, we shook hands, and, and uh, it was really cool to see your setup. So we're going to talk about that. We've got some news. We've got some, uh, some mail and whatnot, and we're also joined, and it would be remiss of me not to mention this. We are joined by Marcus and Beth, who are here from Chicago, and uh, the reason they're here is because they are podcast listeners and donors several times over, for which we are more than grateful, and they are the reason that we can keep on doing this, as well as all the rest of you fine people. So, uh, and providing our drinks. And tonight. providing our drinks. So they are donors thrice over. Yep. So uh, Marcus and Beth, you're not on mics tonight uh, as per your own wishes, but uh, feel free to chime in whenever you wish. So thanks for being here. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, and actually, you two, Marcus and Beth, have uh, Clever Cycles from, uh, or excuse me, Bromptons from Clever Cycles. It's easy to get the two mixed up because they're so similar to each other. <laughs> and um, Well, a Brompton is a pretty clever cycle. It's very clever, yeah. That's right, I'll go there. Exactly. <laughs> and that's where, uh, Marcus, you got your, uh, your Chicago Brompton from. That's so right. Yeah. Yeah and, yeah, and they're nice folks, so they, they hook you up with rentals. Oh, hey, and I have an alarm for no discernible reason. Uh, I really don't know. <laughs> time, to, time to start the podcast. <laughs> I, guess, I guess so. <laughs> I, think that was, I think that was supposed to be my waking up alarm this morning, but it probably you, was you set for... You did the whole AM, PM thing? I did. Yeah. I, I uh, switched the toggle uh, unnecessarily. So, Oh, and by the way, there's ice in that glass for you if you want it for your uh, ginger beer. So, uh, speaking of drinks, we are drinking, let's see, uh, we've got the Seven Grains Arrival Stout in this corner, the Hopworks IPA over there, and some Reed's Reed's Extra, extra Ginger. Reed's this Extra is, is yeah. one of my favorites. Um, I think it's the spiciest of all the Reed's, so I enjoy that. And then um, the Seven Grains Survival Stout is the one that has coffee in it, so I'm a big fan of that. If you look closely, you can see little bits of ginger on the bottom of the bottle oh really yeah i didn't realize that reeds i know that some ginger ales have and ginger beers have uh oh yeah you're not kidding me i can see it floating around sediment ginger sediment (laughs) so that's good times uh well i was just going to ask real quick aaron you had mentioned to me you went both to a bike move and a repair clinic so yes you want to talk about either one sure um first the bike move it was the bike move of bike move virgins um, like I would people say, who had never uh, done that before? Yeah. I, well, it was my first bike move, right, and right. it seemed to be about every other person's first bike move. Okay, and this is an uh, organized bike move. Yeah, uh, it was on the shift list. I didn't know uh, the people who were moving okay. at all. Yeah. You know, met them for the first time as I pulled for in. For sure. Um, I was the first one that pulled in, so I felt extra lame there. But. <laughs> <laughs> for being first? <laughs> oh, yeah. That you don't want to be the first one to the party. But you were punctual. Right. And Portland yeah. is not a punctual <laughs> no. town when it comes no, to organized bike No, I still haven't fun. gotten used to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Adam, have you ever done a bike move? I haven't. Okay. I've seen a few uh, go by me as I'm on my way to work, and I've always thought, 
I need to sign up to do that. Yeah. But, uh, it's, oh, it's, it's so much fun. Yeah. And a lot of people move in the summer and that's when I'm swamped. So. Oh, right. right. And I would imagine being the friend with the huge bike trailer is probably kind of like being the friend with the truck where all of a sudden everyone says, oh, hey, I'm moving. Can you hook me up? And you never hear from them unless they're moving. Yeah, that's so. right. And it's designed to be <laughs> conspicuous. But uh, yeah, that's a, a pitfall of it. Right. So you got to watch out for that. <laughs> However, I made I made an observation that day. What's that? Well, so a bunch of people who showed up, you know, they're all they've got like flatbeds. Uh, a couple of Tom's cargos, by the way. I do like Tom's well. cargo yeah. bikes. I have one of my own. <laughs> um, and they, yeah, a lot of them showed up, and they're all excited to see like what they can fit on there. Um, one guy actually put a couch um, widthwise on his flatbed. Oh wow! <laughs> widthwise, then, yeah, and like, then like just an airplane like, with wings yeah, or something. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, and just to show off, he actually strapped a chair to <laughs> the couch. That's right. I think I have a picture of that of that, that yeah, you yeah. sent me. Um, that's just, uh, that, that's, uh, what, that was, they, what do they call it in football? It's gloating. Yeah, yeah. 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 That incidentally was one of the Tom's cargo bikes. Oh um, yeah. Okay. But anyways, the observation I made was, um, yeah. So you have the friend with the truck and it's kind of a pain to, you know, be the guy with the truck. <laughs> right. But with a cargo bike, it's, it's totally a different thing. Like you're excited for a bike move cause you want to see like what you can do on this bike. True you know, enough. Can you, what can you put on there? And it's a chance to spread your wings and fly. Yeah. Okay. It's almost it's almost like um, out of uh, Tom Sawyer. Yeah. You know, the whole yeah. like whitewashing defense thing. <laughs> the president might walk by. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I, I hate moving. Moving sucks, but like right, right. doing a bike move was so much fun. Okay. Well, cool. Congratulations. I was trying to remember, did you help me move any of my trailer loads? Uh, just the bed. Okay. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, you have never done an organized bike move from the shift list, but I did a bike move. I did it the dumb way. I should have done a shift list, but that, I may have said this before, but the thing about a, uh, an organized bike move is that it's kind of like organized moving of any kind. You have to have your shit together and packed into boxes before people can come over and help, and I'm terrible at getting oh. my shit together and putting it into boxes. You're so, that guy. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> and if I do have people coming by to help, it's like, well, I, I got a big pile of clothes over there. You can put it in that hamper. So people have to both pack and move my stuff, which is not generous. So I just did it myself. Yeah, and these two, uh, Alex and Jade, um, they had their stuff together. Good, good. Really well. and they, they actually had a lot of furniture. I was surprised. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, a lot of furniture and frames. Oh, really? A couple of people actually showed up without any uh, panniers or bags or anything, and they just ghost rode frames, like talking bike about, frames. Oh, um, bike frame. I thought yeah, you were yeah. talking about picture frames, no, no, bicycle sorry. frames. Yeah, okay, yeah. 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 So, like, they're riding a real bicycle with <laughs> wheels, and then they have uh, next to them, they're holding a bike? They're holding, yeah, another bike <laughs> with wheels. <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh, that. Oh, yeah, that's that's like when you see someone doing that and you assume they're stealing a bike. Right, right. That's what I've always thought anyways. Maybe it makes me a bad and judgmental person, but yeah. Well, okay. you know, these guys were with the bike moving. Right, right. That adds a little bit of an air of legitimacy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So uh, that was good. And the it's bike cool. repair clinic, you uh, you got your bottom bracket worked on. Yeah, so, you know, it's kind of fun to Which to is not code for anything. Uh, <laughs> well, it's kind of um, our sort of uh, favorite uh, brew pub to hate. Um, who is it? Base camp. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. 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 And it's not that, it's not that it. I hate it so much no, no. is that it base camp brewing. Have you seen that, uh, Adam? No, I haven't. Okay. It's over pretty close to like the big couplet by Burnside and what is it? 11th, 12th. Um, there's like seven streets that all come together there. Yeah. And one of those corners is close to base camp brewing, which basically looks like an REI, but it's a brew pub. Um, and it's cool that they make beer, but I remember the first time I went in there, I was like, this doesn't remind me of Portland, but then again, Portland is an outdoorsy town. People like to go out and camp and climb mountains. It's just not the Portland that I'm involved no, with, but no, there are like six not. or eight Portlands, so it's okay. So, I, again, yeah. I'm just judgmental. No, so. and, and when I got there, I could totally see why, you know, it's kind of fun to, to diss on them. Well, it's um, almost too shiny for me, but yeah, I, but it again, is. I like, it is. I like the pubs that like, you know, were coated in smoke until the smoking ban and that sort of, I like them to look like they're covered in dirt and grime and, right, and right. like they're, they're legitimate, you know, cause they're dirty. Like the smoke from just ages yeah. past is still on the walls. <laughs> and just because they're clean doesn't mean they're illegitimate. So True. yeah, I got to work um, on this. But anyway, so they hosted this free bike clinic over there. Yeah. Who was doing and, the repairs? Uh, you know, they weren't associated with any one shop. Just uh, freelancers. Yeah. Uh, there was one guy who was a fully employed bike mechanic, and I can't even remember who he was working for. Okay. One guy who was just doing it on his own time, and another guy who had just graduated from whatever the famous 
bike mechanic school is down in Ashland. Yeah, yeah, that's where yeah. all the uh, all the pros go yeah. to learn their stuff. Yeah, yeah. And all three of them had all graduated, but this guy had just graduated, and so he's like trying to get his name out there. He's volunteering okay. on this clinic. Yeah, um, yeah. So I got my bottom bracket worked on, and the guy said, you know, there's nothing terribly wrong with it. Um, but it was making made, a funky noise. Right? It's making a funky noise. Yeah. Uh, he cleaned it out. He took the whole thing apart. I can't believe he did that. But took the whole thing apart, cleaned it out. Really, um, bearings and everything. Re- well, not the no, oh, okay. not the not bracket the, itself. Okay, you know, but he took are, it out. Those of the aren't bike. made to be worked on, yeah. actually. But yeah, um, cleaned everything out, relubed everything, put it back together. Nice. Um, it still kind of makes that noise, um, but I'm just going to tolerate it yeah. until it breaks. Would, would you say it feels any beefier than it used to? Sure. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Adam, do you do any of your own bike repairs, or do you have somebody else do it for you? Um, I typically have someone else do it. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll replace That's the chain smart. or uh, you know the tires, obviously. But, right. Yeah, you do chain the, replacement. Yeah. So you're ahead of me in that. I think. Well, I see. I burn through maybe one a month. Oh, sure. So because you're putting a lot of work into those chains. Yeah. You carry a fair amount of cargo and whatnot. Exactly. Yeah. And so sometimes I'm in between spots, and I really need to take the chain off and and put a new one on. So. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you carry so you, a spare? I was going to say, you carry yeah, a spare chain. Yeah, typically I do. Nice, nice. And I suppose the new chains have that, what is it? I forget what they call the, the coupler, but it's like a special link. Master yeah, link. Master I, link. I yeah, okay. Yeah, so you've gotten fairly good at that, I'm sure. I'm getting there. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, congratulations, Aaron, on getting uh, your bike fixed. Welcome. Speaking of yes. fixing or doing our own repairs, mm-hmm. today... I retapped one of the brazons on my frame. Retapped, retapped, as in new threads. <laughs> yes, really. Um, tap and die. Due to the bike move, uh, yeah, <laughs> I had to go get a, a tap and die set. Okay. Actually, uh, so due to the bike move, my one of the bolts on my back rack stripped out. Oh right, um, just completely stripped out. Um, oh, and that's why you sent me the email saying my bike looks weird without a back rack. Yeah, on it. it looks okay. really weird. <laughs> Yeah. I yeah, it's you like, get used to something like in naked. one shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like seeing Mount Hood without any snow on it and you're like, "Oh, she's kind of naked." And you yep. get embarrassed and look away. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. I do anyways. Um, yeah, but I had to traipse all over town. Um, I should have just gone to Wichita Hardware. Oh, yeah. You know, having moved so far away from that, I felt like it was just too far away. I didn't want to go all the way. Well, you want to support your local hardware store. <laughs> sure, but Do I don't, we don't have one, <laughs> actually. Yeah. Uh, ended up, like, way downtown um, to, is it Wenks or Winks? Shoot, I can't remember. I was, Interesting. I was trying to remember so I could specifically oh, sure. say their name. Well, it's um, not like they're sponsoring us or something. It's true, okay. True, You went to a hardware store. I went Got to a hardware store on 2nd and Stark, whose name I can't remember. They were really good. And be funny if it was second and stark hardware. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, cool. Like, congratulations. That's another uh, mechanical thing that I've been afraid to try. But oh, you should try it. Yeah. All right. I'll try it on a spare bike someday. There you go. A junker frame. Um, I had this really interesting inter- uh, experience today. It didn't really have to do with bicycling so much, except for the fact that I was on one. But uh, I was on my usual commute home from work, which brings me kind of down Williams and across Tillamook in north and northeast Portland. And as I was riding down Tillamook, there was a guy in a big truck in front of me that ended up uh, kind of blasting down Tillamook a bit too fast for the conditions. His mirror tapped the mirror of another lady who was stopped in the middle of Tillamook, like to one side of Tillamook. And uh, he just kept on trucking like he wasn't going to stop for it. And I was like, oh, shit, this guy's going to get away with a hit and run. And I wasn't sure if there's any damage or anything. But the principle of the thing was like. This guy needs justice. And so I chased him on my bike. He was stopped at MOK. You chased at the a truck on your bike. Yeah, I mean, he was at a light. So, okay. I mean, it, it wasn't a big feat. But I, I caught up to him and took a picture of his truck and his license plate and all that. And then the lady who, who had gotten hit uh, had turned around and was also following him. So she was yelling at him. He was yelling at her. I was kind of stuck between the two. Oh, no. And uh, they all crossed the street and pulled over. And it turns out uh, the guy driving the truck was a real asshole, uh, believe it or not. But uh, he kind of came back and was like, it was just a mirror. It was fine. He was like yelling at her and he was pretty aggressive. I I felt like, I don't know, if it was just two people like arguing about it, kind of like regular people argue, it would be okay. But uh, she was a lady in a business suit and he was, uh, uh, I don't know, kind of a blue collar guy. And um, he was yelling at her. She wasn't really yelling at him. She was just like, hey, uh, you hit my truck. We got to talk about this. And he was like, it's no big deal, but he'd already stopped and all this. And I felt compelled to stay just because I wasn't sure, sure. what he was like, if he was going to hit her or something or run away or whatever. Um, and so I figured I'd just hang out. 
Uh, eventually, the police showed up and they kind of mediated things and tried to calm him down. He put on a good face for the cops, but it didn't last long. He got angry again, oh, and they dang. were like, oh, yeah, this this needs to be dealt with. So they took my info, and I have no idea what the end result is going to be. There wasn't really any damage. There was a scuff on the mirror, but uh, but it was one of those things where I was like, man, you got to be careful on the road. Um, this is something that, I, I don't know, it, it's, it's a big piece of metal uh, with a bunch of other pieces of metal inside. It's really heavy. Uh, people that really don't respect the power of the machine are inside these things every day hurtling across the roads and you know there's the potential for great damage so again not really a bicycle story or simpler living story but it was kind of weird i had that whole like tension you know just like like my my heart was racing and i was kind of standing there like like oh what's gonna happen yeah but yeah uh in the end he didn't hit her and the police were there and i think they kind of mediated things and chilled things out so Here's to hoping everything worked out okay. <laughs> yeah, but, no yeah, could have been bad. Yeah, and I, I suppose it shows that there's not just the potential for damage and danger, but there's also the potential for frustration and anger. Right, right, yeah. And, I mean, people get hurt as much by attitudes and expressions and words. Uh, you know, the whole sticks and stones expression doesn't hold weight at all. Like, words words can hurt you. And, like, that whole situation, like I said, I was tense, and I think she was yeah. tense. And that's why I was there is, like, you know, if uh, – <laughs> He, he kind of has the upper hand, but, uh, you know, anyways, I'm still a bit tense, I think. Yeah. But it worked yeah. out. Worked out in the end. Yeah. Crazy. So, so there it is. So that's what happened to me. Well, Adam, let's talk about co-creative pruning. All right. Sounds uh, good. And hey, uh, I think I have a fanfare for you. Would you like a fanfare? We get fanfare. <laughs> I didn't realize it comes with We fanfare. haven't done fanfare oh, oh. in a while. Is that extra? Uh, no, no. That's uh, no charge. Okay. Uh, exactly. Here you go. We present Adam Lehrer with uh, co-creative pruning, the czar, the king, the uh, emperor, the pope of uh, co-creative pruning. Hey, thank you. I yeah. like that. Now, I, uh, now I have to change my business cards, maybe double their size. Seriously, I have to come on legal paper. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Well, thanks again for coming out and joining us. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit first, maybe, uh, I thought we'd talk about the bike because uh, the way that you have things set up is really cool, but maybe, is it arborism? I think we had this conversation before. Arboriculture, probably. Okay, yeah. there we go. As an arborist, um, what do you do and how did you get into it? Well, um, yeah, I'm a certified arborist uh, with garden trees and orchard trees. Um, I began as a gardener and uh, uh, doing sort of a combination, uh, an apprenticeship of a combination of Japanese and English gardening. Mm -hmm. uh, so I focused a lot on uh, you know, woody ornamentals and, and garden trees, ornament trees. Uh, and uh, at some point, I uh, just got my certification, decided I wanted to specialize in tree care and uh, just taking care of the treescape in the city. Nice. Uh, what, what does it take to become certified as an arborist? Um, you need three to four years of uh, like industry-related experience, uh, and then there are a few classes uh, and some you know, basic biology tests and uh, botany tests. So I got in right before uh, they changed some of the requirements about tree identification uh so i had to make a you know big pile of flashcards <laughs> so it's it's yeah. actually like a a, a test like yeah a real, it's a real they, deal. they take it rather seriously i mean they they want uh yeah they, they want the certification to mean something so that uh gives people a peace of mind uh to know that you know, we're professionals and we know what we're doing when you call us yeah, and and you're working with living things. That's I, I think it's probably easy for me to forget because I remember when I was a kid, I did a, a fair amount of pruning. My parents used to have fruit trees, and they taught me kind of. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't the certified method of pruning, but <laughs> hey, basically, like uh, these things, uh, you know, the, the branches are a bit too long, so find a bud that looks good and snip it off there, or something like that. Uh, I spent a lot of time as a kid, probably like middle school, early high school, on a ladder with uh, pruning shears in hand and uh, listening to my Walkman <laughs> because that was before there was anything else. I think <laughs> I think I got my CD player like the year after that. But but yeah, I remember doing a lot of, of pruning and it's it's easy to forget, especially maybe doing it in wintertime like I was when there were no leaves to get in the way, that uh, it's a living, uh, living being, a living organism. And so, um, yeah, it, it probably requires a bit more care than a lot of people would give it. I think that's fair enough. Uh -huh. uh, I mean, trees in an urban environment are already a compromise. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're working around our spaces, and right. they're sort of uh, meant to please our eye or, or give us food. Uh, but there, there are ways to, you know, to regard and respect it that uh, limit its stress so that it lasts a long time. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, and uh, I'm I'm trying to think of it, you mentioned trees being like either an incursion or the city is an incursion on nature or something like that. But the two are working together kind of strainedly as as though they uh, <laughs> they're not quite meant for each other in all cases. So it takes some work to to make that happen harmoniously. I'm sure. Yeah, I think they they both stress one another out. You know, I mean, for <laughs> yeah. for every tree that uh, you know is having root problems because it's planted too close to a building. You have uh, sidewalks being upturned, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a compromise for for both sides. Forty first Avenue, <laughs> is that right? <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's there's roots all over that street, just going up and down. Yeah, and, that's I've you see a lot of that. Yeah, and I think of the uh, Columbia River Gorge, the historic highway, or yeah, oh, yeah the yeah. old trail. There's the um, the part with the stairway, like right before you get to the stairway, out by uh, is it Eagle Creek? I think. Yep. There right are there. a ton of roots that are just kind of bound up by the pavement, and someone didn't think it ahead far enough, and now the trees are, are trying to get out. So that's the first thing I think of. Is I'm sure there are other ways that trees um, trees and, and the city don't get along, like uh, trimming along streets, for example, right? Like uh, oh, the yes. TriMet buses need the, the clearance, like someone has to come by and, and prune those back so that the buses can get through without scraping branches. I thought the buses branches. were the pruners. That could be in some cases. Sometimes they do. Yeah. Yeah. Or gravity. <laughs> but yeah, there are, the, the city does have clearance regulations for above the sidewalk and above mm-hmm. the street, uh, but they're loosely enforced. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, the uh, Department of Urban Forestry just doesn't have the funding that it deserves. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, to, to work with trees, you have to be able to look into the past and look into the future. Hmm. Uh, there are a lot of interventions that are more like mutilations uh, and you look at that tree in six months, and its reaction is doubled or tripled the initial problem. Mm-hmm. So being able to sort of see where it's been and see where it's headed and uh, you know, try to direct and guide it a little bit is, uh, yeah, it's vital to preventing uh, you know, somebody coming in and having to top the tree or remove the tree in five years because it just wasn't acclimated to the space properly. Yeah. Is tree topping sad to you? Yes. Okay. Um, it's very hard for me to take nature walks in the city. Well, you know, the, my my eyes are are finely tuned to my work, <laughs> so uh, so I just see jobs, potential work everywhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, tree topping is a uh, you know, with industry standards have evolved over the years. But at this point, tree topping, uh, I would probably lose my uh, my license doing something like that. Hmm. That's interesting. So it's developed like it used to be okay, and now it's not. Yeah, I mean the the. The line of compromise between the urban environment and the nature scape has shifted a little bit in favor of the trees as as we've you know uh, collected more data uh, and had more experience uh, you know, with old growth trees in the city yeah so and we've realized that topping trees is is more likely to yeah, multiply the problems uh, cause the tree to die uh, it really stresses them out so they uh, attract disease mm-hmm. so yeah, I remember uh, again. I, there's a lot of trees with my family, and actually, a lot of a lot of my family's story with trees is actually cutting them down because there were <laughs> there were a lot of them when my grandparents lived in the house that I grew up in, and then uh, as you know, my my parents bought the place and moved in, and they did some redesigning, some re landscaping. So the the notable thing with topping I'm thinking of is that there was this enormous fir tree in our front yard, and I loved the tree because it was huge. You know, you could go underneath it, and it was if it was raining, you'd be dry. And so you could climb up into it and, you know, see all the neighbors' yards and, and down the street and everything. But uh, eventually there was some sort of, I don't know if it was a height requirement from the city or the county or if my parents were just worried about what would happen if the tree ever fell over. So they ended up topping it. And I just remember it going from, you know, like the classic triangular tree shape or right. conical, I guess, would be the proper term. But uh, it was it was I think it was topped to about half of its original height. And I just remember thinking, oh, it's so sad. Now it looks like a sad square or something so yeah um it's nice to know that that's not necessarily the uh the first response uh at this point from yeah, those who know it is it is good that it's evolved um yeah i mean i uh in the course of my work i sort of develop analogies or anecdotes and at this point the the one i use most often is uh, if, if you think of the tree as a government uh, a very like finely structured government where uh-huh. everyone has their role parliamentarian uh, there you go. Uh, and if you decapitate it, you know, if you top it, uh, then there's a power vacuum. And so branches that were growing diagonally, branches that were giving you fruit, branches that were focusing on flowers, uh, they all race to fill the vacuum. Mm. They all want to be on the top. Uh, so it's uh, pretty irreversible. The Interesting. Damage. 
It's like anarchy in a tree. That's right. It's wow. anarchy. Okay. And uh, yeah, the way you describe the shape, I think that's important too because it seems to me that uh, someone doing tree work, one of the first things you ought to consider is how did a tree look when you drew it as a child? Yeah. You know? yeah. Did, it, did it look square? I don't remember. I was never a good artist, but when I was in kindergarten, I knew that trees <laughs> sort of peaked at the top typically. Right. right. Yeah, that makes sense. Aaron, have you ever done uh, any um, tree pruning, yes. arboring? Well, not, ar- ar- <clears throat> not pruning. I'm sorry. I'm going to have done. such a hard time with this word. No, <laughs> I that's, really apologize. that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't certified by any means. Okay. Uh, yeah, so my landscaping gig out in Hawaii, uh, I did, you know, little bits here and there of okay. pruning. Uh, sad to say, most of my experience with trees would be cutting down palm trees okay. that are just in the way okay. and occasionally planting a new one, but yeah, uh, generally cutting them down and then trying to figure out what to do with the stump. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking of like palm trees in most places where we think of palm trees being, they're not actually native anyways, right? Well, yeah. I mean, that, that gets into like, what is a native plant in Hawaii and what well, is yeah, it? And yeah. There's varying opinions on that. Like, yes, the palm tree, there's only one species of palm tree uh, in Hawaii that's actually endemic to Hawaii, Okay, uh, which also doesn't uh, fruit coconuts either. Oh, lame. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank God for the Polynesians. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> no. I, one place that uh, palm trees don't belong, L.A. I went down or there. Or Portland. And like, well, and yet, I suppose you're right. Yet, there's a palm tree ride in Portland, isn't there? There is. Yeah. There's there's several palm trees in the Pearl. Apparently, in there's the Pearl. only yeah. Really? Yeah. Apparently, there's only one species that really works well here. Okay. Uh, oh, interesting. Adam, are you uh, pro or anti palm tree, or, or do you have a stance? Um, generally, I try to be non ideological <laughs> about uh, about ornaments. Perfect. No, I, I think that uh, you know we, you mentioned the, where to draw the line at uh, at, at what's native uh, and what's you know new or invasive. It's a lot like human populations. Right. You know, everything is constantly migrating, and you draw a line in the sand and form political parties and say, you know, all this color or all this type, they're the true Americans or the true right. Hawaiians. or yeah. And then on the other side, you're all invaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just as silly to me with trees as it totally. is with people. Yeah. Yeah, and I come, from, uh, I come from an ethnicity of invaders myself, so I, can, <laughs> I think I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at some point, it's just ridiculous to try and figure out what, uh, yeah, what belongs and what doesn't, I guess. Uh, but you want to do justice to whatever's there. So right. doing justice to trees, that's a, that's a thing. Um, so I, I, I'm trying to think if there's anything else on, uh, on arborist stuff. Aaron, did you have any questions as what's, far as... What's the hardest tree to trim? Ah. The hardest tree? Well, I suppose the most time-consuming is a, a weeping Japanese maple. Almost every block has one or two. They're pretty popular around here. Yeah, they are. Uh, In classic Japanese gardening, they are uh, meant to be like a a veil uh, in front of a a flowering tree. Hmm. Uh, But we usually give them sort of a primary place in American landscapes. Uh, But yeah, when they're when they're pruned properly, they're still rather transparent. Okay. Uh, But it takes a long time. You know, if a Weeping Japanese maple has been given 35 years you know, without ever being pruned into that veil shape. You could spend three, four, five hours uh, trying to restructure it. So. Wow. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah, trying to, trying to make it do what it's supposed to do, I guess, huh? Yeah, exactly. And uh, a lot of, uh, especially Japanese garden trees, you know, they've been domesticated just like dogs are domesticated. So mm-hmm. once you domesticate the species, you can't turn your back on it right you know, suddenly much it, in the it, same way of letting a dog right, a domesticated right. dog go yeah you need you need to feed it and take care of it right so, no yeah. feral trees <laughs> right yeah. <laughs> yeah in in nature a maple obviously is upright and it has lots of air flow mm-hmm. and lots of light yeah uh, so when you train it downward uh, then if it gets really dense then it doesn't have the air or the light that it you know evolved uh, to handle so. yeah it's almost like it's choking itself or something. Yeah, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, the top branches will grow over all the bottom branches, shade sure. them, and kill them, and then you'll just have basically a combination of a spider web and like a fry kid. I don't yeah. know if you remember those old McDonald's commercials. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so and yes, you, know, you find cats living in there. Children make little hideouts. Right. Right. So I've found a fair number of uh, 
uh, like a toy squirt guns and things like that. So. Feral toys, feral kids, feral cats, and feral trees. <laughs> yes. It's a dangerous combination. It just gets worse if you don't tend to it. <laughs> I'm, I'm all about civilizing. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, I guess I, I was just thinking, like, I, I feel like you must have some connection to uh, plants in general and especially to trees. Like, you must... Uh, you must feel like you understand them from having spent so much time with them. Do you, do you feel like a connection, or is there anything that draws you to trees in particular? Um, well, I guess at this point when I look at a tree, uh, it's no coincidence that uh, what is pleasing to the human eye is also tends to be healthful for the, for the natural landscape. Uh-huh. Uh, so I think the more attuned you can get with how the tree is growing, then the more beauty you have the eyes to see, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. So I, I do feel sort of privileged in that way that uh, the more I work with trees, the, the, you know, I can look at a branch and slowly begin to understand where it was and where it's headed. Yeah. Uh, and that opens up some new dimensions of appreciation. Totally. Yeah, it'd be like if you saw a dog, like one of the toy dog breeds that, that had like long hair and it was all matted and shaggy and gross. And you're like, I know how to fix that. I can trim <laughs> it and, and comb its, its fur out and make it look pretty. And similar with a tree, I guess. And, and I think, you know, you, you mentioned, well, uh, it is a living thing. Um, it's not uh, anything on par with a, with a mammal in com- complexity. But sure. we have plenty of experience and a lot of emotional investment uh, in our children, obviously, and mm-hmm. we can look at a child and we don't just see the child for what it is now. We see it for all the potential it has, you know, all the great things it has to say, all the great things it has to do. Uh, and trees are similar in that they're a living thing with a potential future that the, the better you understand it, the, you know, the less likely you are to, uh, to interfere, mm-hmm. the more likely you are to, to, to show it some respect and give it some guidance. Yeah, I like what you said about how you kind of look into the past and you look into the future and uh, you can kind of see like a, a trajectory or a timeline or something like that. Yeah. That's, and, that's a cool idea. Unfortunately, sometimes the timeline is uh, the, its future is death and it needs to go now. <laughs> right. This tree is going. It's going to be firewood soon. So that's the, that's the downside. Is right. That sometimes I have to break bad news and say, you know, in 10 years time, this is going to outgrow its space or compete yeah. with another tree or compete with your house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you need to start over with something smaller or healthier. Yeah. So, yeah. So does this in any way diminish your enjoyment of campfires? No. Okay, good. <laughs> I was worried that that could be the case. <laughs> no, I think, uh, you know, under, under, when prop- we go camping, we don't, we don't set any fires at all. <laughs> we only burn grass. I mean, yeah. f- frankly, I, I make firewood all day. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Right it's kind so of part day. of your job. So, yeah, and exactly. it's part of the life cycle. It's uh, yeah, you have to kind of accept, uh, one part as much as the next. So yeah. Yeah. Didn't Shel Silverstein write a book about that? Did he? <laughs> referencing the guilt the giving tree oh right right yeah <laughs> that makes sense actually yeah totally all right sorry <laughs> thank you sorry. no that's a good that's a good cultural reference i appreciate it yeah uh so maybe just uh before we talk about your bike setup and everything um you you have a, a pointed reason why you don't use a vehicle for for your job uh do you want to explain some of that Sure. Yeah, I, I don't pointed is kind of putting me on the spot. Oh, okay. It's kind yeah. of broad and, uh, sure. and non-specific. But uh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I, I've only spent maybe 15, 20 minutes behind the wheel when I was 15. Uh, my, uh, my mother actually, uh, you know, in between uh, working all day and going to school in the evenings, uh, saved up to, to get me a used car, uh, which uh, put a lot of pressure on the, uh, on the decision to walk away after 20 minutes. I would imagine, and, yeah. Uh, wow, and give yeah. it to my younger brother. Uh, but, uh, so yeah. is that to say you never had a driver's license? That's right, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I've had a permit a few times uh, and then let it expire. Just mm-hmm. every <laughs> once in a while, I have, I have second thoughts and think I might uh, open up that option. But right. it, it, it always closes before I do anything about it. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're kind of warned away from it, just kind of... I, I remember, I think, uh, last time when I was talking to you, you mentioned something about, like, kind of like what I was saying about the, uh, my observation of the accident, to, or not the accident, I guess, the incident, uh, just about the power of a vehicle and, like, how easily it could go wrong. Is that... Yeah. Of, yeah. I mean, I, I guess ultimately my reason is psychological. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was growing up in the suburbs, it was difficult to get along without a car. Sure. Uh, but I found that uh, taking the time to walk places uh, just gave me the extra time to reflect and think things through and have some quiet time yeah. uh, that I really needed and, and grew to appreciate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so actually when 
you know, school and business got hectic enough that, uh, that walking wasn't quick enough, uh, I adopted cycling, and I, I consider that to be the compromise, frankly. There we go. Yeah. So. Well, it's actually uh, our former co-host, Brandon Rhodes, uh, is also, I believe, never had a driver's license. Uh, yeah. He had his permit as well, but uh, just said, you know. Let it expire as well. Not, yeah, it's not fun enough. And, I mean, <laughs> it's there's uh, different perspectives on that. Some people, I, I love to drive. It's my profession. I, you know, I, I got my license as soon as I could. Um, but I also spent most of my life driving a vehicle and very uh, reckless and, and uh bad ways so <laughs> so yeah just in the past couple of years being a school bus driver i've drastically changed my habits but but yeah i, I think uh everyone should respect the idea that uh that vehicular motion is uh potentially dangerous so yeah uh but but yeah no that's great and i think adam like you're saying having the time to uh, kind of deal with your own thoughts without having to also think about how to move around in traffic uh that there's some value to that yeah so. i i think uh, you know in civilization right now we don't have we don't have the time to to let our attention sort of wane and to focus on things in the back burner. Uh, we're always uh, looking out for traffic, or we're always in traffic. Yeah. You know, I sort of consider uh, if I'm walking through the park and it's more or less been cleared of everything in nature that poses a threat to me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's no mysterious berries that I'm relying on for food. There's there's no you know, large mammals that are going to come out of the bushes and right. attack me. Uh, that's obviously you know not a condition that we've lived in for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, when we were walking through the forest, when our ancestors walked through the forest, and they had to watch out for that and watch out for predators, uh, that required a great deal of heightened attention. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, we should respect uh, the peace and quiet uh, that we've evolved to develop. Uh, and when I walk through traffic, I think of walking through the forest, you know, with my eyes looking for predators watching for bears yeah. we are uh we are the apex predator except in a car environment then the car and the truck become the apex predator right right uh, i mean uh, when when my friends you know take their kids for their for their first walks around the neighborhood and the first thing you have to tell them is look both ways watch out when you're crossing the street right because someone on the way to work or someone on the way to get a ice cream cone Know, might injure you. Mm-hmm. you know, I picture our more you know, rustic forefathers telling yeah. their children, watch out for bears, watch out for snakes. Watch out sure. for mastodon. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, so it just seems like an unnecessary uh, level of stress that, yeah. that we have outgrown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of a, a there be monsters here. Uh, and we don't need that on all of our maps everywhere. No. So, so is yeah. that to say, like, our ancestors did not develop agriculture and civilization just so that we could spend time in cars in heightened awareness and go back to that time. Sure. Like, yeah, that's a fair way. They to did put this it. so that we could we could have this time to relax. I and, guess I uh, uh when people ask me what I think about biking versus driving, I I'm always quick to say I consider cycling a privilege. Right. Um, right. I consider it a privilege to have the extra time. Uh I consider it a privilege to live in a community where uh everyone is invested in it, uh you know, emotionally and uh you know, monetarily, uh, so that there's a culture developed uh, that allows for easy use and interaction, and mm-hmm. also just the safety considerations, the bike lanes, you know, the the lighting, the cross lights. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I I consider that a privilege. Yeah, uh, and it's easy to forget that living in Portland because a lot of the things that are like extreme privileges, I think, for most bicyclists across America, uh, are are kind of taken for granted here more often than not. So. So yeah, it's easy to for that you know perspective to go away, but but it's it is nice to remember that hey, uh, we've we've worked long and hard for this, and uh, we should enjoy it. Yeah, so that's how I feel about you know uh, about knocking off uh, cars from the from their position as apex predators. It's, right. right, it's not it's not a right uh, that that we have to you know to be able to walk through peacefully, have walkable neighborhoods, uh, but it's a privilege that we have an opportunity to avail ourselves of. So we ought to when we can. Right. Why not? Right. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, well, we should talk about it. I love how we've talked for like half an hour or something. We haven't even talked about the bicycle setup yet. Oh. So uh, you have a trailer from Holland Colin. It's yes. a builder up in Seattle, and it's one hell of a trailer. So uh, can you describe it for us? Sure. Um, it is uh, eight foot by three feet uh, and three feet height. Uh, it's a like a polycarbonate metal frame yeah. tubing. It's about uh, the size of a phone booth? Yeah, that's fair enough. Okay. Maybe a little bit, yeah, longer than a phone booth is tall. Uh, and then it's uh, on that frame, on that tubular frame, is uh, is uh, red mesh. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so. which is great because the mesh, uh, it, most times when you're trying to contain something, uh, I think the, the walls or the structure of the trailer ends up uh, contributing to a lot of the weight. So yes. you've got this mesh, which allows you to contain uh, its uh, cut limbs and branches from trees, as well as your, uh, you've got a ladder and you've got some other equipment. What yeah. else do you carry with you? Um, well, I use only hand tools, and they tend to be small hand tools. So mm -hmm. those I carry on my person. Okay. Uh, but I have, yeah, mounted on the bicycle trailer, I have the ladder mounted on the uh, exterior of one side, and then on the other, uh, Colin put in hooks uh, for me to put pole pruner, uh, pole saw. Uh, those things are great. Yes. It's like having longer arms. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, a broom and a rake. So, yeah, so that actually leaves the inside just for the debris. There you go. So, and nice. the, the trailer, uh, empty, is only 56 pounds. It's not bad. Wow. So it's yeah. not, not bad at all. For I'm something inside, a phone booth weighs more than that. So <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And do you have a sweet belt for the tools that you carry on your own person? Um, I just clip them onto a the typical belt. Easy enough. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So uh, how did you get in touch with Colin? Uh, he actually provides uh, trailers for landscape use uh, for the, uh, the gardener that uh, I mentored under. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he, the circumstances uh, of that work uh, meant that the trailers uh, were built a little bit differently, a little bit smaller, okay. uh, a little bit heavier, a little bit denser, you know, able to carry compost uh, and uh, you know, trees uh, with their root structure, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, whereas I'm mostly carrying uh, you know, light debris branches. Uh, so Colin just sort of took his model of a, of a good landscape maintenance trailer and uh, blew it up into a you know arboriculture trailer. There you go. Yeah, it just got bigger. Yes. Nice. And it's attached to just a standard bicycle, right? It's not uh, you don't have a cargo bike or anything. This is just a very large trailer on a, on your own bike. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah I, I just uh, Colin makes uh, wonderful hitches uh, yeah. to attach to the back, uh, and then I ran a uh, well, I didn't run a, a bike mechanic ran a cable uh, from. Uh, brake on the tr on the left side of the trailer. That's right. You have a, a third an auxiliary brake as well. Yes, he ran it up the bike, and it's right on my handlebars. It's a, a thumb brake, basically. Yeah, yeah, which is useful, I'm sure, when you're carrying weight. Yes, yeah, yeah I, I uh, would not be able to make it down hills without that extra brake. <laughs> and it's a disc brake as well, right, which uh, yes, that's right. saves the rims for later, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. My rim is almost worn out. Aaron, how are your rims doing? My rooms are fine. That's, oh, you have disc brakes. Yeah. That's right. Okay, yeah. yeah so. I thought you were like making them, <laughs> setting me up here for that. Of course I was. <laughs> I knew exactly what I was doing. Yeah. Uh, but no, that's a great setup for, uh, for just slowing weight. And that's what motorcycles use. Uh, disc brakes have a lot of great applications. Uh, your trailer is one of them. I was very impressed. I essentially, you know, taking, taking the bare bones uh, from the trailers that he'd made for, for previous clients you know, and adding on... A, a list of wants, complaints, problems, mm -hmm. uh, and he addressed them all yeah. uh, in you know very simple ways uh, that have lasted almost a year now. That's pretty cool. So the I do hardly any maintenance. I inflate the tires and, and give it a wash every once in a while, and that's there we about go. it. Yeah. Well, that works out okay. Yeah. Uh, where do you end up taking all the debris when you're done? Uh, I take it to uh, wood waste management. Okay. So it's uh, in northeast, I think, Columbia and 47th. Oh, sure. It's kind so, of an industrial area. Up yeah, there. yeah, yeah. It's uh, at, the, at the bottom of a hill once you cross Columbia. So. Yeah, and Columbia, that's a busy, uh, that's a pretty uh, industrial street. There's a lot of heavy traffic on that, big trucks and whatnot. Do you, do you have to fight with the traffic, or do you, uh, do you not mind that so much? Uh, I can, 47 will take me right up to it, and then I can cross it at a light. Oh, so you don't have to be on Columbia so, at all, then? Not at all. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's good. And it's also uh, fortuitous yes. that... Wood waste management is at the bottom of the hill and not at the go. top of the hill. Because <laughs> I'd rather Perfect. be going down with a full load and up with the empty than the opposite. I yeah. think I probably would be out of a job if it were the other way. So That makes a lot of sense. Very cool. Nice. And there's a new 7-Eleven there, too. Oh. Just in right. case you need uh, uh, go-go taquitos or something, I guess. sugar at the... Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, cool. I, we uh, probably should uh, wrap up the interview, but uh, there was just one thing that was interesting. Two things, actually. Well, you mentioned a partnership with a beekeeper because bees and trees are happy friends. Oh, uh, yes. They get along well. Yeah, uh, Brian Lacey uh, yeah. is a beekeeper around, uh, up around Portland. Okay. And uh, he has you know, dedicated a lot of time to uh, maintaining uh, the pollinators in the city. Uh, and obviously a lot of his clients have... You know, fruit orchards or, you know, uh, 
flowering ornaments uh, uh-huh. that that need those those pollinators, and sometimes they could also use an arborist. So yeah, I'm I'm partnering with the bees actually, and Brian Lacey is a, the intermediator. There you go. <laughs> He's the ambassador to the bees. Yes, that's right. There we go. He speaks for the bees. <laughs> Perfect. And then uh, you also uh, you uh, just began donating some of your proceeds to the Forest Park Conservancy. Oh yes, that's yeah. right. Uh, as of the first of February. And if there's a place that should be your favorite park in Portland, it would be Forest Park. Yes, because there's a lot of trees there. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. I, uh, I have I've grown up walking through that to you know to get some tranquility. Yeah. Uh, and basically, yeah, the, at the beginning of this year, I decided uh, that it would be uh, it, it would be well for me to uh, calculate how much money I save taking advantage of. You know the the uh, bike lanes yeah. that uh, that the city provides that the people of the city provide uh, and try to give that money back to the city in okay. some way. Yeah. Uh, so giving it to Forest Park, I thought was a good was a good first try. I like that idea. So yeah. So by February first of next year, yeah, ten uh, percent of all the proceeds from from February of this year uh, will go to them. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, do you have a favorite part in? Uh, I, sorry, a favorite part in Forest Park. Um, uh, well, I guess probably Hoyt Arboretum. That is a nice spot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's a good variety there. So yeah, I, uh, I mostly walk there on my own now. Yeah. I, uh, I used to invite friends along, uh, but they w- would grow irritated very quickly cause I'd insist on stopping at every tree. There you go. Uh, yeah. My Some fr- things you just have to do on your own. Yeah. They yeah. told me that it was like, uh, bringing a dog along, <laughs> <laughs> uh, except that they had no leash to pull. Right. So to a I, fire hydrant museum. Yeah. So yeah. I, <laughs> right. So I got the message and now I go by myself. There we go. Nice. Very nice. Well, cool. Thank you so much for, uh, for coming by and telling us about the, uh, the things that you're into and uh, what you've been doing with your business. It's really inspiring. It's very cool. And uh, it's great. Thank you. It was yeah. a pleasure to yeah. be here. And I uh, really appreciate uh, all, the, all the people and all the businesses that, that the two of you support and bring oh. to light. So yeah, There's a lot of good people to talk to. It's, it's almost like we'd never run out. <laughs> It'll take years. Not yet. Yeah. Well, we should do uh, some mail, some headlines. Let's, let's do some. All right. Uh, which one should we do first? Uh, Does it matter to you? It doesn't matter. Okay. I've got headlines now. All so. right, well, let's do that then. Uh, these are your headlines brought to you by Portland band Hurtbird. What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. It circles around the city lights. All right. All right, from Bike Portland, forthcoming Nimbler app. Helps plan bike plus transit trips. A new free iPhone app that lets you plan cross-town trips that combine transit, personal bicycle, and bike shares preparing to launch in Portland. Portland is next on our list because of the strong bicycling and transit community there and the commitment of Portland and Oregon to open data, says CEO John Canfield. I'm all for open data. Yeah, and open data. TriMet has done a great job of making their uh, transit timetables available to anybody who wants to build an app around them, Yeah, which is pretty cool. Isn't there like a TriMet app? Oh, there's several. That? There's a oh, lot. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nimbler is promising because it will do something that even Google Maps can't yet. Uh, advise someone uh, traveling from Kenton to Milwaukee to bring a bike on the yellow line so they can quickly connect to the 70 bus at Lloyd Center. Which is way farther than the walking directions that you would get from the actual TriMet transit planner. Yeah. Subway maps are pretty easy to understand, Canfield said Tuesday. Once you get buses into that, things get a lot more complicated. When you add bicycle to that... Whoops, what just happened? Oh, there we are. Oh, I can see Uh, the cursor. Yeah. And the bike bus transit option, there are just so many combinations. Canfield said the service will be especially valuable to people just getting to know Portland or life without a car. Yeah, and so there's a huge strength with the TriMet here in Portland that they allow you to plan your trips out, as many people are now starting to do, by going online or using your mobile phone or something and saying, hey, I want to be here at this time. When do I have to catch the bus? Which one? Uh, but the thing that no one accounts for is, hey, I have a bike. And, uh, and instead of having to walk or run from the station, say uh, the yellow line at Rose Quarter to the 70 over in Lloyd, that's like 10 or 15 blocks or something like that. It's longer it's than a, they would send hike. you. Uh, yeah, yeah. TriMet would make you wait for another bus. But if you have your bike, you might as well just zip over there and catch it. So the idea that you can take those timetables and like basically increase your walking speed to make it easier to plan trips sure. and make like very effective trips out of them, it's, it's kind of a cool idea. So, yeah. I'm going to use that. 
I hope I hope you do. I hope it comes out for Portland soon. Tiny House blog via Marcus. Yes, and that's uh, Marcus here in the corner. <laughs> right here. Uh, Portland now has a tiny house hotel. Right here in the heart of Alberta Arts District in Portland, Oregon, sits the first tiny house hotel in the U.S. The custom-made houses of the caravan, the tiny house hotel, all sit on an urban lot with its own central gathering place that contains a fire pit and barbecue, Adirondack, Adirondack chairs, and hammocks surrounded by funky recycled art. Each of the houses are available for nightly stays and contain bathrooms with flush toilets and hot showers, electric heat, and basic kitchens. So they're not uh, oh, they're not composting toilets, unfortunately. <laughs> sorry, Logan. Sorry, Tammy. But <laughs> that's uh, a lot of stuff in one house. Yeah, there. I would imagine if they were composting toilets, they probably wouldn't be legal to be open for business yeah, in Portland, no. Oregon. Could not unfortunately. be a Portland. Get your shit together, seriously. <laughs> uh, Quite literally. <laughs> so yes. here are some pictures, and we'll have a link to that up here. But check this out. They've got like they're all all three parked in this beautiful place. I would go there. I live in Portland, and I would totally stay there. Oh yeah. So that's uh, that's pretty awesome. And, uh, yeah, Marcus, are you, uh, what, would you stay here if you had the chance? Well, we missed it. Um, we made our reservations ahead of time and at a different tiny house, but yeah, completely stay there. I would, All right. I would covet staying there. Marcus covets it. He's a fan. So yeah, good news. <laughs> Up next. Um, that's it. For oh, that's headlines. it. Okay. So, Hey, yeah. we've got in here, check this out. I am very excited about this because this is the first time I get to use this. We got mail. Oh, God. Hey, we got mail. Our new mail sounder by Aaron Flores. <laughs> hey, no, you're supposed to add in the part where you tell me to shut up and read the mail. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll work on that for next time. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, Chris in Arcata, uh, nice to hear some talk about bike touring in my neck of the woods. Wish we could get the street infrastructure better dialed in for bicycle tour peddlers. Caltrans is a tough state agency to deal with, as you can imagine. Well, they're so Nothing big. Nothing like ODOT. California's huge. True. And they don't care as much about their roads as we do. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's true. I, I, I can't imagine stand they care that more about their roads, just not maybe for bikes. <laughs> Probably so. For and, those, I mean, we love you guys in California. I, I've never been there. Is that a so disclaimer? Is that okay? Yeah, okay. sure. Why right. not? I offended everybody. All right, go for uh, it. Are they a sponsor? Uh, California is We're not spon- a sponsor <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> the state of California has nothing to do with this. And, and they have palm trees. Even if, even if they return my calls. <laughs> for those traveling through the Arcata area, I know camping is another shortfall outside of the KOA. The good news is we have awesome farming-type hostel in Arcata now. It's a very eco-friendly house with property 1.5 miles outside of Arcata. They offer camping in the gardens area, and they are very bike-friendly. Yahoo. So I thought the Sprocket crew would want to know about this place for folks passing up through bikes or on bikes through Arcata. Or passing through bikes inside of Arcata. <laughs> Here is a Facebook post about camping, and we'll link that to the page. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't forget about the Hammond Trail north of Arcata to get off the 101. Yes. And the 101, that's about where the 101 gets pretty big. Yeah, I think, which uh, is and, less pleasant to ride on. So and yeah, narrow. I think I may have ridden on this trail. I'm not sure. Isn't that where like the shoulder almost just drops off completely? Uh, no, that's in Sonoma County. I oh. think that's where the okay. cows were walking across the road unhindered. Oh right. Yeah, they were actually just sleeping on it at some places, but but that's Sonoma, yeah. not Eureka. Or uh, Arcata. Y- you can also look forward to some short-term fixes coming soon to the Eureka Arcata Safety Corridor. Next perfect, but or not perfect, but better than what we currently have. You can find out more about these projects on my site, which we'll link to. CompleteStreetsAdvocate.org. Um, thank the Sprocket Bod- Podcast, Bike Portland, and Leanne at the BTA as some of my inspiration. Aw. Yeah. Please interview Leanne so she can share the education perspective with children of the BTA on your show. Tell her I said hi. Well, hi, Leanne. We found our new guest, our next guest. Hey, you know what? Uh, I'm just getting... Is there we you? go. Sorry, that's my... getting sorry. a Skype call there? Yeah, I guess so. Ignore. Ignore. <laughs> All right, it's gone. Um, excuse me. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a phone, but my computer rings sometimes. Uh, <laughs> we got uh, Yeah, we'll have to talk to Leanne. And uh, thanks, Chris. Thank you so yeah, much for listening. Thanks for and, the suggestion. And, yeah, and... holding down the fort in Arcata, one of my favorite northwestern cities, Cascadian cities. Yeah, uh, they'll, got, be, they'll be part of the the... That's right. Succession. succession. Yeah, yeah. The succession to the U.S. when (laughs) when all Cascadians rise up and take uh, uh, arms. That sounds wrong. 
they, no, they, no. they take uh, palm fronds and wave them at their oppressors. Go. Yeah. Um, so Josh we and Cully. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Josh and Cully, Portland. Uh, five minute video on private buses in Detroit, which I actually haven't watched yet, but I'm going to check it out and, and uh, we can all talk about it since guides to bus seats. Yeah. And I did read this one, Dan Christensen. He's our favorite TriMet bus driver, yes. uh, two time guest, and we got to have him back again sometime. But, uh, yeah, he talks about like who sits in all these different seats in these different areas in the bus. Is there like a politics to seating in there in is, the TriMet there is in fact. Yeah. yeah and Dan breaks it down for us one piece at a time. Yeah. Can't, can't wait to read that. Uh, Rance found a keg trailer on Facebook. <laughs> he did. He did. And it's awesome. Here, check it out. It's uh, right there. It's basically two wheels and a keg. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, exactly what you want. That is specifically just for a keg. That's <laughs> that's right. There that's is no other trailer. purpose to this. Right. It's not yeah. a trailer. That That is specifically a it's keg It's a keg cycle. Trailer. Exactly. <laughs> Tim Mooney calls in from the road about kindness from strangers. That's right. And I need to pull up his uh, his voicemail here. Tim Mooney, of course, was just in. Uh, what, uh, I'm trying to remember when we two aired. Two episodes ago. Two episodes back, yep. yeah. And he is now well on his way down to, uh, oh, sorry. It's right over here. He's well on his way down south, but he called in from the road to share an update. Brock and Aaron, this is Tim, uh, recent guest of the Brock and Podcast. I really enjoyed the uh, show that you just put up with uh, Chris and Heidi, and it was uh, interesting that they were talking about the people that you meet. I just wanted to share a story from last night. I'm just over the California border. I'm in Crescent City, and I lose my prized wool sweater. And you you guys know how important wool is on on a tour. I had chalked it up to, you know, just the tour gods taking something away from me. And some guy, don't know him, didn't know me, he said, oh, oh, was it a green sweater? I saw it 10 miles back. So he gets on his bike after I tell him not to several times. And we're all sitting down and realize he's already gone. He did a 20-mile round trip to go get that sweater and brought it back. So moral of the story is you meet very cool people who are very giving and uh, uh, will do things – for the karma, maybe just for their own personal gain or their own personal uh, point of view, it's pretty damn cool. And uh, it's all about what you get on bike tour. So I thought I'd share that story. Hope all's well, and uh, I'll uh, keep in touch as I work my way down the coast. Thanks again for the show. Bye. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for uh, calling. That's super cool. That is really cool. A guy that yeah. turns around and rides an extra 20 miles just to give some guy his sweater back. That's he awesome. just really wanted to ride. So. That, that's very possible. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, I did a short day. I need some more exercise." Right. Maybe, maybe like me, he's counting his calories, and he like ate too much macaroni salad and said, "I got to burn these I'm calories off somehow." Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, which I did three days ago. So, uh, and then lastly, lastly uh, from Twitter, Kath Yule sipping an iced coffee, knitting, listening to this podcast while the kids play and sort of watch Mary Poppins. Hashtag. Nice Saturday. Yeah. I think that's our first hashtag. Um or our first Twitter reference on the show anyways. Oh, we've had we've had people talk about us before. Yeah. There there are people that tweet yeah. all over. It might be the first one really? I sent you because it was okay. so great. Yeah, it it was it was good. I I like the idea of uh, sort of watching Mary Poppins. <laughs> sort of. Because that's what I do when I watch Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, uh it's a good time to wrap up the show. Adam, is there anything else you wanted to kick in before we go? No, uh, I don't have anything else to say. Sure. Except I, I did notice the the picture. The I was able to see the picture of the keg cycle. Oh yeah, uh, it was really uh, small from over here to where you are over there. Sorry about that. No, no worries. One of the many benefits is no one asks you to move anything. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> hey, we have all this beer without a container. Can you put it in your keg? Right. Yeah. Th- those are the moving requests that are that are well fielded. <laughs> totally. And then uh, for uh, both of you, Marcus and Beth, is there anything you guys wanted to add before we wrap up the show? All right. Thanks for being here. Thank you for the beverages. And uh, we wish you a happy visit to Portland. Happy clever cycling on your Bromptons. And uh, good luck at getting your hosts to to make you some food or something. I hope they they cook for you. All right. Let's close this thing out. Let's put this baby to bed. That was the wrong thing. Seriously. This is our outro music. This. (laughs) What's wrong with me? All right. And this is how the sausage gets made. That's right. Oh, wait. Here we go. Yeah, baby. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Find us on the internet at thesprocketpodcast.com. Send feedback about the program and suggestions for topics and or guests and or drinks. Write to us via email. The address is thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. 
or call and leave us a message at 503-847-9774. Connect with us on Twitter at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for providing the theme music. Find him on the internet at ryanjlane.bandcamp.com. Thanks to Hurtbird for our headline sounder. Find them at hurtbirdmusic.com. You know how smooth that was going to be? I was going to push the right button at exactly the right time and impress everybody. And you know, It just didn't happen. Well, we'll see everybody next week. Bye-bye. Good night. something from your mic sure yeah how's this sound oh that's great that's wonderful the more fuss the better the sound <laughs> yeah fair enough i'm willing to talk about the business obviously but i'm yeah just as interested to talk about abstractions contemporary issues excellent uh yeah i'll get bored if i just have to <laughs> tell you all the trees i've ever pruned or something there aren't very many work stories exactly yeah you do it all day so that like that's that's enough really yeah did you get a beer? Or oh, I'm good. Just yeah. the water is good for you? Yeah, it's okay. hot, really hard for me to stay hydrated. Okay. Yeah. So I never quite know when it's safe to have sugar, or so I just right. steer clear of it so that I don't end up passing out somewhere. Wow. It's a safe option. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I wish I was that safe. <laughs> oh, and Aaron, did you get the notes? Got the notes. Fantastic. Loaded up.